0: continue on here. No one moved. (laughs) If you can find your seat. Oh man. It is literally the worst part of my job description when I have to get people who are having great conversations to stop chatting. That's like the worst thing ever. Oh, man, I hope you had a great conversation. We'd love to continue conversation with anybody over lunch uh, and at the art show this afternoon. I have to tell you, um, as Jen and Eli are up here talking about the ways that you all have been generous, I am just so proud as one of your pastors. I brag about you all the time. It's probably like something people need to pray about for me because I find myself bragging about all of you all the time. But um, there's, just a, there's a difference between figuring out how to do things that are generous and being people who have a generous spirit. And you all are people who have a generous spirit, and I know we're all wanting to grow in that, and I just love that about all of you and how having a generous posture and a generous spirit doesn't mean we always have a lot to give away, because I know a lot of us don't, but it really does mean a lot to give our time, our energy, our listening ear to people, and I'm just so, so proud. Today we're gonna continue our conversation that we're calling God At Work, with a little at sign, and we, we talk about this subject often And throughout many sermon series but we do often pause to say let's focus for a few weeks on this subject specifically and that is just how we experience God in our vocation in our workplaces in our work life and so everyone's on the same page when we talk about work or vocation we're actually defining that relatively broadly we're thinking about how some of us get paid to do some of our vocation that's most important others don't get paid It includes things like caring for other people, small children or people who need other types of care. It includes uh, learning. The educational environment is the main vocation for a lot of people in this room right now. It also includes the time that many people spend looking for work. Maybe people are underemployed or unemployed, and so, man, isn't it your vocation at that time to look for work? So we're talking about all of that when we say, what does it look like to look for what God is doing in your work? And so um, today, we're gonna talk specifically about how God forms us in our work. Last week, I talked about how God cares about our work. And this feels really important that we know that God cares about our work. It doesn't always feel like that. Feels important to me because studies say that people spend 50% of their waking hours of their entire life in something that they would determine as work or vocation. 50% of the waking hours of your entire life are spent in this space. And so it feels important to me, that you all know, and myself included, that we embrace this idea that God cares about our work, even throughout the various different fields that we all work in. Today we're going to talk about how God forms us through our work, and just how specifically I would say we are formed through our work no matter what. We are formed through our work no matter what. When I was thinking about this idea of how we are formed spiritually, personally, emotionally, some of us physically because of the type of work that we do, we are formed as people through our work. The image that came to mind was an image of Potter on a wheel, okay? So I don't know if my vocation and maybe yours feels a little bit like a wheel spinning. I brought a picture of that. So like a wheel spinning really quickly. I don't know if you feel this way about your work, but sometimes it feels like it is a, it is a wheel that is spinning and, and you can't get off, okay? And this idea of the Potter's hands are forming and shaping you in your workplace. And uh, the, the, very, the various environments we're in, the things that are happening, our coworkers, our supervisors are a part of these hands that are forming us as we are in this workplace. And here's the deal, some of us, we wanna look like this. So let show this next picture. We hope that we turn out like this. This is what we hope, the formation of our work. We are a beautiful vase. We are a beautiful candle opera stick. We're, we're so ready to be this. But we actually find ourselves looking more or feeling more like this, these next pictures. <laughs> these are pictures of uh, Maybe we could say pottery fails, where the, the bowl has collapsed and the clay has fallen off. And that is actually how we feel sometimes when we think about how our work is forming us. And I, I believe that that is a, an experience that many of, if not all of us, have at some point in our life. you remember last week, if you were here, we talked about how work as a vocation is cursed. God created it to be good, but we see pretty quickly it's something that's going to be about toil and hard work. And so many people have such a difficult time. And so we have an opportunity... To be people who say, what would it mean for us to engage God and to say, God, I want you to form me through my work. I know that the the environment I'm in and all these other things are going to be those hands that are trying to form me. But God, I'm inviting you to be the one that forms me in this space. When I think about this, I think about one of my favorite passages I want to read to you, Psalm 139. Let me read just a part of it to you. It says this, the psalmist is writing to God, Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there, your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. God is just as present with you this time tomorrow as God is present with us right now. The difference is whether we are aware of that reality. This psalm, I think, so beautifully helps us see that everywhere we go, God is with us. God's hand is on us. God wants to be shaping and forming and encouraging us and challenging us and supporting us in all of those spaces. And so we so often want to say, oh man, I hope that God will show up in my workplace because I really need God right now. The better question is, will I show up to God in the spaces in which I work, in the places in which I find myself living out the maybe multiple vocations that a lot of you have in your life? And so today the question is, how am I being formed through my work? And we have five people who are going to come up, and they can actually make their way up right now. We have five people who are going to come up who represent some various vocations. I absolutely, five people is actually kind of a lot, and it doesn't even come close to representing all the vocations in this room, but I hope that you can identify with some of what you see from these folks today. And what I want you to be wondering about as you're listening to them, wonder about how your work has shaped you spiritually, personally, emotionally. And today's goal is that you can think about how that is leading up till now. How have you felt formed? And then we'll be able to say together, are we ready to invite God to form us through our work even more as we step into that work either tomorrow or the next day or whenever you're back in your vocational space? Cool. So can we give these these guys a round of applause for being up here for us? This is not an easy thing to do. Here you go. This is not an easy thing to do, um, but I so appreciate your willingness to be vulnerable and to come and share in front of these people. I did tell them, I said, listen, this is not a come up and share about how wonderfully you've been formed, but both pictures, the picture of the beautiful, beautiful shaped vase and bowl, and also the picture of, wow, this has been a shaped forming fail, okay? And so they're going to share whatever they feel comfortable sharing, and I hope that you all can feel seen and known as they share their story. But first, we'll just have everybody go down the list and just say who you are, how long you've been at Mill City, and then your main vocational space right now. Sound good? Good
1: morning. Good morning. I'm Megan Rodriguez, and my family and I, we have been at Mill City for three and a half years. And um, I was a teacher at the University of Minnesota in the English as the Second Language program for about five years, and worked in the program for 10 years. And now I am a stay-at-home mom, stay-at-home parent, and i um, been doing that for two years. So, or this is, no, this is my second year.
2: So, yeah. My name is Alex. My oh, wife and I That's your have wife, been, that's your wife. Yeah, that's my wife.
0: She's your fan club president, I think. Yeah.
2: Uh, we've cool. been going here for a year and a half, and I'm an electrician with the city of Minneapolis with the traffic department.
3: Great, and I'm Patrick Weiss, and I've been coming here with my wife, Camille, for the last three or so years, and I've been in advertising the last 30 some odd years.
0: Sorry I gave you the short chair, Patrick. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I know, like, the ad guys are used to being up in the top of the towers, like, looking down at all the rest of us. But we got you right there because we, we believe your work matters. And Patrick is so fun to talk about this. He's the one teaching the class. Some of you are in right now, got at work. You've been thinking about this for many years, haven't you? So I think you, I knew you would be the one that wanted to be humble. That's all. Yeah. Feel affirmed. Feel affirmed.
4: Uh, hello. Raymond Blackledge. Uh, been attending Middle City Church with my wife uh, for the last seven years, actually. We're just, just, just counting that. Um and in my work I work as um, a life coach for young people who are system involved and that can be a variety of things so I'll can talk you, about that.
0: Yeah good. And where where do you work? Oh, the YMCA. My name is Rachel
5: Whiteman, and I am the Associate Director of the Library at Concordia University in St. Paul. Um, that means I'm a librarian, which I suspect now makes you all think I read all day. Um, <laughs> but I actually work with students teaching and doing a lot of things with them.
0: Yeah, great. OK, so I asked all of these guys basically one question, because there's a lot of them. And I want them to have each have some time to share. And so the question is, how have you been formed through your work? It's pretty open-ended. And having been on the stage a lot, what really helps is if people kind of lean in and nod every once in a while, so just keep that in mind. So Rachel's going to start with answering the question, how have you feel like you've been formed through your work? Yeah, I think there's several
5: different ways that I just wanted to touch on really briefly. Um, the first one is really related to my identity. Um, I realized several years ago that my, pretty much my entire identity was wrapped up in being a librarian. I love being a librarian. Um, being a librarian means connecting people to information, and um, it was... I loved it. It was awesome. Um, But the problem with wrapping your identity, or for me, wrapping my identity in what I did was that meant when things were hard at work, um, I wasn't doing very well. (laughs) And when things were great, I was doing great. And it took um, a really hard situation with a boss and all kinds of things to make me realize that I was not living into the full identity of who God had created me to be. I was living into just only my identity as a librarian and in helping people. Um, and I was forgetting about all the other gifts God had given me, all the other things, other ways he had created me. Um, and so that's been, that was definitely one of those like failing pot moments where I realized like I was, my identity was so wrapped up in what I did. Um, but the other piece that has really formed me is the work I've had. Um, like I said, I work with students. I teach them. I teach them how to do research. I teach them how to use information ethically, um, and I have had the o- wonderful opportunity to work with students from all over the world. Um, I've lived overseas. I've worked at. Um, pretty diverse institutions here in the Twin Cities and these students have just impacted me over and over again they share their stories with me and I am reminded all the time that we're so much more connected as human beings than we are disconnected and I have absolutely loved the opportunity to interact with them Um, and God has shown me over and over again how important their stories are to me on a really practical level I work with a lot of Muslim students and they use my library for their daily prayers and it's not unusual for me to walk outside my office door and there are students praying. And i am we might not have the same theological beliefs, but to watch someone stop what they're doing. These are students who stop studying um, and they pray. And it challenges me, God has challenged that in my life. How am I engaging with him throughout my day? Am I willing to stop what I do and invite him into my work? And that's because of my Muslim students being a model to me on how to pause what I do and connect with my faith. The last thing is as the associate director, I also manage people. And this has been one area where God is forming me Um, A lot right now over and over again Um, it's ironic because I can see God's hand in my interactions with my students but sometimes it's harder for me to see how um, to interact with my colleagues in that way and um, as a leader I often think we're going in one direction and the people I interact with may not be going in that direction and so how to give God is teaching me how to give the people I work with freedom to be who they are and to use their gifts to contribute to our team. And um, that's been making me a more patient person and making me into a person that can um, really speak truth into other people's lives and build them up in ways that I haven't had before.
0: That's great. Thanks. Thanks, Rachel. Thank you.
4: Um, for me personally, uh, as far as being informed, so I deal with a lot of, uh, at the YMCA, of course, recognizing that we are built on Christmas principles and foundation. I think that's a part of this the culture um, that's there. So it, it allows me to be able to speak freely and openly um, in most situations around what it looks like to be a a, a person who is trying to live honestly and, and intentionally um, supporting the work that, supporting the people that I do at work. Um, and one area or one, one place for that for me has really been that fellowship um, that's really helped to form me as well, um, recognizing that the people that I work with in all capacities continue to, we, we continue to have conversations that dwell in the Bible and dwell in the practices of what we're doing and if we're doing things um, intentionally and always reflecting on how we can support one another in our journeys. Um, and the other side of that, I also work with, um, with government and in some aspects of that working with young people who are marginalized in the criminal justice system. And while I go to that work, it it really takes me um, a lot of time to recognize and understand how do I therefore speak to, through, and with, and work with somebody um, despite the barriers they might have in place and the systems as well that might be in place that are, are, you know, the barriers that they're fighting against. So I think being able to support my team who is out there every day working with young people um, troubleshooting and, and being intentional around supporting them. So a lot of that for me has come from learning to support from a different perspective, because not all of my, my co-workers and people I work with that I support are, are believers or um, or have that conversation. And letting them know that from a place of love and caring and and respect and how I continue to support them is, is huge. So I learned a lot about relationship building um, <laughs> over the last several years and, and what that looks like in different aspects. And a, another piece that's been a struggle and something I've continued to battle with is, you know, as we as you deal with different agencies and organizations, um, how they view people. And I view people as the person first, and their crime or what they are second. And so I think this battling that con- conversation constantly, um, it's been something. But um, the one thing I know, one time I was having a, a difference of opinion with uh, one of my counterparts I work with, and really came back to talking to my program manager. We were sitting down and we were talking about this and said, this is spiritual warfare going on here. We need to just pray. And literally we sat down and we just prayed for 20 minutes. And, and you know, the next meeting that we had a few, you know, a week later, um, really being able to see some of the trans- transformation. And my boss was like, I don't know what happened. Like, there was a total difference of how that conversation and dialogue went this time. And she said, what, what was different? Like, you, like, did you talk to her? I was like, no. We, we just prayed. And Really letting her know like some of this was a spiritual warfare that we necessarily couldn't fix. But knowing that God was constantly with us, is currently with us in everything that we do. So trying to be intentional around um, that aspect of it. So bringing prayer into my work life and really trying to remember that as a foundation, as a tool for me to, as I continue every single day uh, when I go out and work. So so yeah, that's some information.
0: Right. I love how you're using that combination of I'm doing these efforts to help people understand, to see people first, but I'm also going to pray. You know, just that both and. That's so crucial, and I love that you shared that. And I know the YMCA has these Christian foundations, but not everyone who works there is a Christian, and so for you to, to navigate that has been, been difficult and also good. So thanks for sharing that, Raymond. All right, Patrick, I've already given you such a hard time, you poor man. I'm so sorry. That's right. <laughs> uh,
3: wow. <coughs> so um, the advertising world uh, is um, an interesting. World. Like I mean, Minnesota,
0: interesting. Well, no, like, oh, uh, that's interesting.
3: You know, when I came up here about thirty some years ago, and I worked at a, a large advertising agency, I wasn't quite sure what it was all about. And um, quite literally, uh, you know, I I came to Christ through work. Um, it was uh, a stressful time. Uh, it wasn't unlike Mad Men uh, <laughs> at at the time thirty two or thirty three years ago. The TV uh, show. There was still a lot of. Um, that culture going on. Um, and then they give you responsibility, uh, and then you don't quite know how to deal with it. Um, caused a little bit of anxiety and stress in my life, but um, we, there was 900 people in this advertising agency, or 300 people in this billion dollar advertising agency, and there were three men, probably 15 to 20 years older than me, who just seemed different um, in this odd, Environment. Um, and it turns out that they were part of an organization called Christians in Commerce. Um, and they were men that I could go to and really be honest and authentic. Um, and they brought me into uh, meetings, uh, and I realized that God um, has a purpose for us in the workplace. And um, that it wasn't about me, it wasn't about persuading people to buy things uh, that maybe they otherwise didn't need but it was really about um, what our overall purpose is in in, in building um, the kingdom uh, and how you can show up in authentic, um, honest uh, and truthful ways in an environment um, that uh, may persuade you to act differently uh, than that and so over the course of these years, you know've to a lesser or greater degree, really have um, brought Christ uh, into focus. And I do know that at times uh, when uh, I'm further from God, work becomes more difficult. when I'm closer, work becomes easier. This morning in class, we talked about perspectives of um, how we see God at work. Do we work for ourselves? Do we work for God um, or do we work with God um, as a co-worker uh, in our endeavors? And we had a great conversation about that. But I, I simply find that if I can bring Christ into the workplace, think of God, think of Jesus as working alongside of me, next to me, helping me, um, my days uh, tend to go greater. And then I also remember these three guys um, and I remember how difficult work was for me. And I know that there are other people that I've worked with over the course of years that I know are struggling with the same things as me. And so showing up in a way um, that's open, um, maybe light, uh, maybe understanding, and being there for people um, is, is really uh, what I try to focus on um, the most within work. And, and I just, you know, am I'm, I'm very grateful. Uh, to these guys and um, for showing me that that the work that we do um, has purpose, has meaning, uh, and is really, uh, as Steph said in the first sermon, is part of uh, his creation um, and, and part of what we're called to do, to be co-workers uh, with him uh, to bring the kingdom uh, forward. And I know it's not easy <laughs> for people, and, and I think we all struggle in this way but as I said I just know that if I can bring Christ there think of him alongside me and be open um, to what God has for me every single day I, I just know that those days tend to go much better for me
0: Great, thanks
3: Patrick I wrote my thing
2: down because that's what I need to do Good job. I'm going to ask you to bear with me this analogy made a lot more sense at midnight so <laughs> <laughs> so Here we go, anyways. (laughs) Work has shown me that pool noodles make poor paddles. Everybody knows what a pool noodle is, right? The things you hit your friends with. That's
0: what they're designed for, yes. 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 Yes.
2: So, imagine you're in a canoe. Somebody hands you a canoe paddle and a pool noodle and says, get across the lake. You grab the pool noodle, and you're paddling along with that thing, and it's terrible, right? It's obviously not designed for this. So you switch over to the canoe paddle, and you bash your knuckles up against the side of the canoe, and you splash your friend behind you a couple times, and they're all mad at you. But then you start getting the hang of it, right? you got to get in the groove of it. So at this point, you wouldn't think to yourself, and if I really want to be good at canoeing, I should really be... Equally as good with that pool noodle as with the canoe paddle that would just be a ridiculous thought that makes sense, right? (laughs) But that's a lie that I have found out that I am Susceptible to believing and here's a real-life situation So I've never been a handy person growing up and I've never been really good at math but there were just two things that didn't come naturally to me. But I was determined to make those two things into something that I was great at. Because I loved seeing people build things, and it was awesome, and I wanted that. So I became an electrician, where 90% of your work is mechanical, and if your math is off on the other 10%, things blow up in your face, literally. Literally. Yes.
0: And literally, not like isn't figuratively, like literally.
2: They literally yeah. blow up. Luckily, that hasn't happened to me. Um, so, I paddled with my pool noodle for years, frustrating, feeling frustrated and inadequate, and just, that was a negative part of my work. But, I needed that experience, I needed that struggle to see the lie that I was listening to. I started to become aware of the lie telling me to pour all of my energy and focus into correcting my weaknesses instead of embracing my God-given passions and strengths and using them for how they were designed. So I'm still learning what all of this means, but learning to put down the pool noodle and pick up the paddle is a good start, I think.
0: Yeah, there we go. That made sense. Yes, that was good. Midnight, win for Midnight. Good, all right. Um, I,
1: this, this panel comes at an interesting time in my parenting life because I have been, my husband's touring right now, and I've been like day eight of on my own of three and a half weeks. And it's just, it's been, it's been one of those kind of lower weeks. So this is good because I, I have some rougher times to kind of <laughs> shape me and. Uh, give me focus on what I want to talk about today, but um I was thinking I think a lot about like when you think of parenting as a vocation, um, it's one of those things that doesn't end at the end of the day <laughs> um, Turns out. yeah you don't you don't clock out um, and when you're solo parenting, you very rarely clock out and you have to get somebody else to come in in order for you to clock out and uh so I've realized that what that means for me in a spiritual formation kind of way is that there's not, there's not a lot of time and energy for me to recharge if I'm relying just on my own strengths. Um, so for example, if I'm relying on my own patience, it runs out over and over again, and my fuse is short. And... It just has made me realize so much that I have to have that supernatural patience if I'm going to parent these boys well. Um, And it requires, what that requires of me is just inviting the Lord into every interaction, every day, all day. And when I fall off that horse, which is lots of times a day, getting back on it and just saying, Jesus, I need you right now. I need your patience right now because mine is gone. Um, when it's five in the morning and the three-year-old is screaming, waking up the baby, and then I have to nurse again. and (laughs) That was last night. (laughs) It's that moment of not, like, shaming the three-year-old, because that's my natural firstborn tendencies is, why did you do this, right? But to say, just to enter in and love, and I didn't do that well last night, but I know that today is a new day, and I know that that Jesus' mercies are new today and that I need him to work through me in order to do this well. I need those fruits of the Spirit to come from him and come from a place of overflow and rest in Jesus in order to do that well. Um, and I also was thinking about how, as, as a parent, your, your job is to raise these children well, right? That's at least what we hope to do. And... Um, for me, what that means is raising, raising these two boys I have to be people, to be men who love people, and who walk in the love of Jesus. And they're not going to do that if I'm not doing that. It's going to be harder for them to do that if I'm not doing that, um, especially as children. And so, one of the ways that that has spiritually formed me is to just realize that my everyday interactions, everything I do, they're watching. They are watching everything. And so how I interact with my husband, how I talk about my mother, <laughs> how whatever whatever we do, and when Dan and I are talking about our day, if we're talking negatively about someone, our three-year-old is listening, and he's so observant and picks up on everything, and and that all of those moments are forming moments for them. And so if I'm not walking in love, then I'm teaching them not to walk in love. And so it's just that whole constant like asking Jesus to walk and teach me how to do that. Um, And the last way that I think parenting has spiritually formed me is as I teach um, our boys about the Lord and what it means to walk uh, walk in love and, and what it means to to know the Bible and know the Word and, and all those things, it challenges my faith. Like, I went to North Central University. I have, I have a Bible minor. Like, I have studied the Bible. And I taught children. Like, I've taught, I've worked in children's ministry for years. But when you're staring your own child in the face and they're asking you, like, why did Jesus die? And you have to explain it in words they understand. And when they start to ask questions about Noah's Ark and... Did it happen? And I'm like, ah, ah, let's talk about that, (laughs) you know. Or seven days was the world really created in seven literal days? And we start to get into all these things. Like he has so many questions. Why, mommy? Why, mommy? Why, mommy? Why, mommy? I'm like, I don't know. But it challenges my faith to really wrestle with some of those questions of what do I what do I believe, Um, and and if I don't know, how do I talk to him about that? And how do I talk to him? them about this journey of faith and this journey of seeking and it's okay to ask questions and it's okay to not have answers um so yeah i think that those that's how there's so many ways i feel like parenting is just this like never-ending
0: formations experience yeah more than any ever,
1: ever any other thing like i was thinking this morning about how about everyone up here like in in, other, in my past job situations, if I was like, yelled at and screamed at all day long, I'd be like, this is a toxic work environment. <laughs> but when a three-year-old is yelling and screaming at you all day like that, everyone's just like, I know, honey, but that's just life, you know, like,
0: <laughs> so. This is a so toxic, <laughs> just, that's good, that's good. Yeah. yeah, okay, hold on for a second. So I've got two follow-up questions and everyone doesn't have to answer all of them because I did not warn anybody. So last week and even just now, a a number of you talked about lies that you feel like you're told. And I I think that this is a big aspect of the struggle of work is that we have an enemy who's whispering things into our ear about what's true about who we are, about other people, about the work that we do. Is anyone else willing to share some statement or lie that you feel like just to normalize that? Because I think so many of us experience things that you feel like are whispered to you that you know aren't true, but are hard to be able to escape. So for instance, for me, one of them that I shared last week was that I feel like the enemy sometimes says, you worked hard all day and none of it matters. Like that's a lie that I feel like the enemy brings up in my mind. Would anyone else have one that they'd be willing to share just to normalize that reality? Sorry, I dumped that one on you. Hi, bring your lies. Last minute, sorry. Some of you mentioned a couple,
4: but.
2: Yeah, I kind of already mentioned mine. I mean, it's, I brought it up and I don't want to make it seem like Like, I know this now about myself, so I I got it all figured out. No, It's, like, something that I learned from work and that I learned is, like, spread out through almost everything in my life, this lie that I need to make my weaknesses into strengths instead of focusing on the passions and strengths that God has already given me and learning to just cultivate that to further the kingdom. So
3: Huge. That's great. I think I mentioned it, but I think you know the biggest lie is that you can do it on your own uh, and in the marketplace that uh, it's set up for competition uh, and and that the person next to you may get a promotion, uh, so you got to work harder and harder and harder to get ahead, and and I just believe that that's um, that's a lie. We can't do it on our own, and um, the other piece of that is is you know as um, is as an individual you know uh, drawing sort of that. That perfectionism and that um, uh, um, acknowledgement uh, through through work is a lie uh, and and that ultimately you know the uh, the connection um, from God uh, and and his concern is more important, but I think the workplace sets us up um, to separate us uh, and to really rely on ourselves um, in that and it's just um, you know, for me it's been been a struggle to, to make sure that I, I continue to understand that dynamic.
0: Yeah, good. One more lie. Um,
5: I kind of <laughs> mentioned this already, but I think for me that lie of my identity being my vocation has been a really big one, and then um, in the last couple of years as I've stepped into my mid-career leadership managing, I'm definitely feeling like a lie of like, I can't do this, I'm, I'm not strong enough, or um, I'm not able to step into these roles. So I can definitely identify with those lies.
0: Yeah, great. Okay, so my last question is, if any of you just have some things that help you re co-working with God the way that Patrick put it, is there any small things or significant things that in the past or as you look even towards, I asked you to share now, what are you thinking? How do you reorient your, your focus towards God being the one who forms you more than the environment or you're inviting God into it? Any, any little uh, ideas just to share with people?
4: I'm actually going to go back to the the lie real quick, because I think um, this also goes with this. Um, Keeping the lies coming. Okay, good. So recognizing grace for yourself. Yeah. um, I think that's been an area that for me is always something that I'm always continuing to struggle with. And so constantly going back and thinking about where I'm at praying. If If I do that and provide myself with grace because I often felt like I didn't deserve it, I wasn't worthy of it. And you say, that's not true. We all are. Yeah. Um, and so for me, it's, it's remembering that and being able to pray uh, when, I, when I have those moments, even talking to my wife or my partner um, when I have those those moments as well, too, um, and being able to pull me out and, and recognize the, the gifts that God's given me. And I think somebody called it imposter syndrome. I heard that before I used. Yeah,
0: imposter um, syndrome.
4: That's something that I think is, is very prevalent and, and exists. And as we push ourselves into work so often, um, it's something that I think we have to continue to be mindful of and recognize. So. So yeah, finding
0: those truth-tellers in your life if those lies are, are in your ears good. Um, I think for me, I have
1: found, have absolutely found that I, I need to start my mornings with the Lord. Um, and that looks very different every day, and I, I call it, like, my quiet time, and I tell my son, like, we're having quiet reading time. It's never quiet unless they're <laughs> sleeping. Um, but the discipline of doing that um, and starting my day with, in my chair in the living room with my Bible on my lap, even if I literally take takes an hour to read a chapter sometimes because I'm interrupted so much. But just that, just taking that opportunity to say, like, Lord, I'm, I'm here. Like, I'm going to show up to you and what you have for us today, um, whether it looks the way I think it should or not, um, that, starting my day in that posture, in that position, greatly changes the outcome and the direction of the day. When I don't do that, it's so noticeable. Um, and and when I do it, I often just say, Lord, today is yours. Here it is. Use yeah. me as, as you see fit. and And just... Putting myself in that place is more than anything I do throughout the day. That is what invites God in. And that's what helps me to walk with him in the work that I do all day long.
0: Yeah, good. Good. Thank you so much. I'll share one final thing that helps me is noticing that sometimes you get those opportunities. But even just like two minutes of a break in the middle of the day is huge. I look at like a worship song, listen to it for three and a half minutes. And everybody doesn't even know I'm doing that. And I find a worship song that I actually don't know is really helpful because then the words are, I'm connected to the words because I'm trying to think about it. It's in the end, I just think it's those little things that help us do that. And so I'm so thankful for all of you being willing to share your story. And we thank these guys as they head down from the stage here. Thank you guys so much. As the worship team comes up, I just want to invite you all into just a moment of reflection and a prayer. Um, In fact, I just wrote like a little prayer that we can put up on the screen. Just for you to think, I I know that as soon as we leave here, there's going to be things all afternoon and some of you start work tomorrow morning and others, maybe you go to work tonight. And I just want to pause and give you a minute to think about what is it, what does it look like for you to invite God into your work as you go from this place and you step into the things that God created you to do? And as you try to say, God, I want your truth to be louder than the lies. And as you enjoy the idea that God created you to work as an image bearer of God into all these spaces that you're in. And so let's just take two minutes to pause. And if these words help you, um, on the screen, I'll read it. Holy Spirit, I invite you to fill my place of work. God, form me through my work as I co-work with you. We'll give you about two minutes, and then we'll introduce communion.